The royal difference, or perhaps I could say, royal robes I don't deserve. You know, it is really good to see family and friends here today and people watching online. I'm Richard Cook, everyone calls me Cookie, at least my friends do, so most people call me Richard. That's a joke, by the way, and they don't get any better than that. Do you know, recently, these words have been said, the Queen is dead, long live the King. That seems so strange to say, doesn't it? Today, I'm talking of royalty, Jesus King. Let me just briefly talk about a king, a queen, and a prince. During my business days, and some of you know this, I met most of the royal family. I'm a bit of a show-off, aren't I? What do you mean, yeah? Before being presented to Queen Elizabeth II and her husband, Prince Philip, the security entourage came to me and they said this. They give me a brief on what to do, the do's and don'ts. Don't speak until I'm spoken to. Bow only when I'm told to bow. Don't put my hand out unless the Queen puts her gloved hand out first. Thinking a lot of information here. So the moment comes... And I'm thinking, all these things are going... And they only tell you, literally, moments before. All I've got to do is bow. And you know the story. I bow and curtsy at the same time. <laughs> yeah, like Mr Bean. I didn't headbutt her, but not far away. And I'm thinking, as the Queen chit-chats with me, we're exhibiting ceramics that we've manufactured at Earl's Court in London. I'm thinking, Cookie, all you had to do was bow. That's all you had to do. What a simple brief that was. The Queen picks up one of the items we'd manufactured, a vase, because it was very posh. And afterwards, many people came and said, can we buy that vase that the Queen has touched? I said, actually, she brushed against it all. (laughs) See, never missing a business opportunity. I didn't put the price up, actually. I thought after. I thought that should have been really expensive. Prince Philip stayed and chatted for ages, actually. And of all things, because the business in Berry talks about black puddings. As you do. That's what Berry is famous for, amongst other. And Peel, which is the founder of the police force. Robert Peel. Correct. So, yes, I met Prince Charles III and many, many other royalty during that time. And yes, it was a privilege, a talking point. And it's still a fascination for some people now. So what did they say? Did they watch telly? What do you think they do? They watch Corrie. I don't know that bit. Does the Queen have a royal loo that follows around? And I know some of you are thinking that. Does her toilet follow her around? Nudge someone and say, I've thought of that. What do they have for tea? Do you, know, do you want to know what they have for tea? Someone say, yeah. Black puddings. No, they don't. Today, though, seriously, I'd like us to consider a royal difference. And there's a simple question. Was there any difference for me back then, meeting the Queen and him being introduced to Jesus, the King? In our Bible... The Gospel of Mark, 2,000 years ago, talks about the Jews expecting the king. They have been promised, and Jesus being the greater Moses as that king. In fact, Jesus 
king of the Jews, was posted above him. The charge laid against him as he was crucified on the cross. So my, for my part, being introduced to Jesus in my late teens, to whom the Bible and scripture directly refers to twice as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Deuteronomy 10, 17, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Revelation 19, 16, On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now I want to be brutally honest with you. In fact, the moment I went to church, I found church a bit odd and the people odder. <laughs> and that's still the same today. But I'm one of those odd people that I thought at the time, where have I come into? I grew up in a family that church and God were non-existent. Although my dad would say good night and God bless as I went to bed. Some of you might be from a home like that. Just as a matter of ritual. Society in general, then and is now. The royal family or Jesus, just abstract images. There's some, something of a concept that's over there. It's not really relevant to our day-to-day lives. It's not real. You know, that's until a newsworthy occurrence happens. When Princess Diana passed away in 1997 at the age of 36, the world stopped. Queen Elizabeth II recently passing. Some of you may be still getting over that. Or perhaps other royal scandals that come on our newspaper and in our news. We observe, don't we, during the last few weeks, the royal family stood at each end of the casket with heads bowed. Very personal. And we just watch it on our TVs and then switch it off and get on with our day. We applaud David Beckham, who queued up for 11 hours plus, and then other people who jumped the queue, and we debate about it. But let's be honest, for us Christians who've given our lives to God, it could be that we're a lot more aware of the Jesus I'm going to talk about. But most people would say, I'll take the extra bank holiday, thank you very much. We heard a couple of weeks ago from Ian McDowell, who was from an organisation called Tough Talk. And through his stupor of taking anabolic steroids, he cried out, if you're real, God, if you're real, would you show yourself to me? You know, he mentioned there Thomas, who was a disciple. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, was, was with the disciples when Jesus came. wasn't with uh, Jesus when the disciples came back. After, after Jesus was crucified. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marked in his hands, I put my finger where the nails were, and put my hands in his side, I will not believe you. What about you? It'd be really easy for us this morning to take Thomas to task and say, well, if I saw it, I'd believe it. But cookie back in the day, I didn't believe it. I'd not seen it. My logical mind growing up was about the story of Jesus, a fantasy, a fable. Jesus King, 
And what with Christmas just around the corner, we'll begin to focus again for a fleeting glimpse of our Jesus. The nation will consider, we will say from this platform again, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. We will reminisce on Christmas Day, the Queen's speech, and debate whether the new king's match is up. It'll be on Good Morning Britain the next few days after. And I'll say to my Anna, turn it off, I'm sick of hearing about it. So what changed for me? Why did it change? Why do I now consider and acknowledge Jesus as my King of Kings and my Lord of Lords? I'm briefly going to share three points. Number one, relational. Number two, revelation. And number three, reality. Relational. I love how we as human beings, in, human beings, beans, Heinz beans, interact with each other. I love the raw and real, the banter that we share. You know, when I first attended church, I started for the first time in my young life to discover a Jesus I'd never, never encountered before or even consider. A Jesus who was relational, a real person. A Jesus, if you cut him, would bleed. Someone who would challenge the status quo of the day for good. Actually, it continues to that to this day. A Jesus who stood up for the marginalised, stood in the gap for the hurting, be a constant friend and companion who would never leave me and never forsake me. Mark 6 verse 56 in the Bible says this, and wherever he went into villages, towns and the countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to touch them, even by the edge of his cloak and all who touched him were healed. Then Jesus healed a man with leprosy. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Do you know that imagery, that true story is an account. But did you hear that word that was mentioned twice there, begged? You know, in our lowest ebb, whether we class ourselves as Christians or not, we cry out. If you're real God, would you show me? If you're real God, would you help me? Jesus, my Jesus, spoke into the hypocrisy, the untruths and the deceit. Do you know what? He told truth on every occasion that he spoke. That as a young person blew my mind to think about that. One of the most well-known verses in the Bible is where the Pharisees were challenging Jesus. We heard about that from Georgia last week. They dragged a woman caught in adultery to Jesus' feet. Jesus, they said, teacher, this woman was, was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, commanded us to stone her to death. What do you say? They were using the question to trap him, to accuse him. But Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone. They all left, tail between the legs, one by one, leaving Jesus alone with the woman. You know, we all like to measure ourselves up against someone, don't we? I'm bad, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Or perhaps share a little gossip. Have you heard about Cookie recently? 
Don't say you don't do it because we're all human and have fails, failures in our life. You know, none of that with Jesus that I learned about. He talked straight into my life in those days and weeks. He put the onus back on me, not to lord it over me, not to control me, but to reveal truths to me. He helped me to take stock of my life and eternity. So number one, Jesus is my relational king. Number two, revelation. You know, that word in Christian circles is used quite a lot. Revelation means that it is revealed by God to humans, an act of revealing to view or making known. I love this next one, astonishing disclosure. That's what it was like for me as a young person. When I said I was introduced to royalty here on earth, there was a protocol, a system, a set of rules, a correct conduct, a procedure to be followed in a formal manner. When I was introduced to Jesus, it was a journey. And looking back, God allowed me to be myself. I wasn't under compulsion. It was my own will to accept or to reject as it is for us today. Barry Woodward often describes Jesus as a gentleman. He won't force himself into our lives. That's so true. Funny enough, that word revelation is the last book of the New Testament. John is writing down what he's revealed, what he sees in his vision. This is a quick summary of what he sees. John reports in the opening verses of Revelation 4 that he saw a door open in heaven and heard a voice beckoning him to come up to heaven. From heaven's vantage point, John would witness future events. Upon his arrival in heaven, John saw God. He was sitting on a throne surrounded by 24 other thrones. A sea of glass lay in front of God's throne and four living creatures were beside the throne where the living creatures ascribed honour and praise to God. The elders who occupied the 24 thrones fell down and worshipped God. They cast their crowns before him and praised him. This thought was mirrored by Queen Elizabeth II. At the conclusion of a sermon, she approached the speaker and said, Oh, how I wish I... Oh, I wish that the Lord might come in my lifetime. When he asked her what her desire was based on, she replied, I should like to lay my crown before his feet. Revelation 4.2, at once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. There is a throne above all thrones and someone above everyone. Knowing this changes everything. The title this morning, King of Kings, indicates someone who is the power, has the power to exercise absolute dominion over his realm. In the case of the Lord Jesus, the realm is of all creation. In John's vision, Jesus returning to judge the world and to establish an earthly kingdom, as he predicted in Mark 13 and 26. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. When my Jesus is called King of Kings and Lord of Lords, it means that in the end, all other rulers will be conquered or abolished and he alone will reign supreme as King and Lord of the, all the earth. There is no power, no King and no Lord who can oppose him and win. 
what I thought. Fundamentally, the idea that Jesus being King of Kings and Lord of Lords means there is no higher authority. His reign over all things is absolute, never to be broken, infringed or dishonoured. God raised him from the dead and placed him over all things, far above the rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I believe all of us, all of us, in whatever way we would do it, we should ask the question, if you're real, God, show me. As humans, as most of us are in here, we have a tendency to think about the world and its resources as limited. But the story of the resurrection is the story of God's limitless power and love. I love that God is limitless. Me walking to church all those years ago was an outsider. Some would argue that you still are. As I entered church, my, my blonde Mohican haircut and my feather earrings, and this is a true story, people didn't know whether to say hello or how. <laughs> and that is true. Race motorbikes on a Sunday, as some of you know. But on a rainy day in Lancaster, on the start line of a motocross race, I give my life to God. If you're real God, God is real. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Saviour, acknowledging him as my King of Kings and my Lord of Lords. I had a revelation, an astonishing disclosure. You know, sometime later, and just picture this, I'm someone who wasn't brought up in church, had no formal Words that were entered into my life growing up in my teenage years. I got to know God for myself, the relational God. Give my life to God, not in a church, but on a motorbike race. I'm getting about my daily work, which is manufacturing ceramics with the massive kilns in front of me. Picture it. I'm singing to the 80s tunes of the day. When all of a sudden... I sense this warmth come around me. This sense of God surrounding me and enveloping me. I was overcome with that sense of God and his Holy Spirit working in and through me. And for that day, all I could do is speak in another language, another tongue. It was the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you know that childlike faith I had then and I've still got now. I wasn't particularly looking for it, but I was open to it. The God I serve wants to have a relationship that's real, that's touchable. We sing a song, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. When we sing that song, we raise our hands, but we constantly need to let the penny drop from our head to our heart. It may look like you're surrounded. It may feel like we're surrounded. It may feel like we're alone. But the song goes on to say, this is how I fight my battles. And as the band come up, reality. So I serve a relational God. I had a revelation of God, the reality. One thing's for sure, for every single person in here and every single person watching on, we will all face our demise 
our days on this earth will come to an end. It's something we don't often talk about in our Western culture. Other cultures talk about it and acknowledge it a lot. Jesus, our relational king, our relevant king, doesn't leave us to face our end on our own. Many, many, many times I've stood with family, either at the graveside or at a crematorium, and nothing has given me greater joy and hope for those people who've said, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour, to say these words. And I want to say these words to us today because this is the truth in God's word. Jesus comforts his disciples. This is Jesus talking to us today. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Jesus, the way to the Father. Thomas, Thomas again, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus simply answered this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From there on, you do know him and have seen him. Church, everyone who's here, guests, today, I'm going to simply ask you a question. Do you want to know this God that I've been talking about? This relevant God. This God who is over every other king of kings. God does help us on our journey. The king of kings is in our midst. I've been introduced to the royal family. But I have met and been accepted by my Jesus, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And accepting him into my heart. I am now a citizen of God's kingdom. I'm going to read what we're going to sing in our next song. And I know these words mean so much to me. The song we're going to sing is called King of Kings, Majesty. King of Kings, Majesty. God of heaven living in me. Gentle saviour, closest friend. Strong deliverer, beginning and end. All within me falls at your throne. Your majesty, I can but bow. I lay my all before you now in royal robes I don't deserve. I live to serve your majesty. Earth and heaven worship you. Love eternal, faithful and true. Who bought the nation's ransomed souls, brought this sinner near to your throne. All within me cries out in praise, your majesty, I can but bow. I lay my all before you now. Amen. <laughs>